Well, so glad that you're here. You know, we're continuing our series, um, Financial Fitness, and, uh, you know, there's still time. If you want to join a small group, you can do that. Uh, what's happening in the small group, what they're doing is they're just kind of, there's a, like a DVD, and they kind of go through a little, little bit more in depth, and they can kind of do life together in the small group. So there's sign-ups right out there. A um, number of years ago, there was a movie called It Could Happen to You, and it was a movie that was inspired. It wasn't based, it wasn't about, you know, but it was just inspired by a true story about a, a police officer who, um, in, in the movie, this, this police officer, and he goes to this coffee shop. Uh, he had just gone to get, like, a, a lottery ticket. They live in New York, got a lottery ticket, and he and his wife, you know, just making it, and uh, he goes there. He goes to the coffee shop, he and his partner just get a couple of cups of coffee, and then they have to, they have to leave, they get a call, they got to leave, and uh, as they're heading out, he said, oh, you know, he, he tells, tells his partner he'll get the, to get the tab, and so he goes up, and uh, he realizes that he has just enough money for the coffee, but he doesn't have any money for the tip, and in the movie, he's just one of those guys who you know, does everything right, and he's just, you know, just a big heart, the whole thing. And so he tells the waitress, hey, you know what? Um, I don't have enough money for the tip, but I got this lottery ticket, and if I win, I'll give you half of what I win, all right? And which the waitress went, yeah, okay, great, wonderful. And he said, and if I don't win, I'll give you a double, a double tip, but I'm coming back. You know, I don't know if he said I'm coming back tomorrow or whatever, well, well, guess what happens, you know? He finds out, he goes home, and he, and he wins the lottery, right? And now um, he's thinking about it. He's like, we won, and then he's realizing, okay, I got to tell my wife that I made this promise to this waitress that she's getting half of what we want, right? So there's a real short clip um, that we have from the movie, It Could Happen to You. I owed her a tip. A tip? Two million dollars? Come on! I never thought we'd win, darling. I never thought we'd win. Oh, we did win, just like I told you we were going to. But if we'd used your numbers, we wouldn't have won. Don't do that. Don't do that, Charlie, because you know and I know that in my dream, my dead father came to me through the slot machine, and in his eyes, there were dollar signs and a four in place of the bugle. Come on, Charlie, you want to blemish his sacred memory? That's ridiculous. He was a nut job, your father. He braided chickens. Sorry, he wants us to have the four million. My God, do you think if he intended us to have half, wouldn't there be a two instead of a four inside the eyeballs? It's not the right thing. The right thing? Charlie, what is that? You've been doing the right thing your whole entire life for everybody else. Just this once, please do the right thing for us. I gave her my word. Donnie. Honey, do you love me? Of course I love you. Then stiffer. Stiffer and smell the flowers. For me. What would you do? Oh, well, I'd buy the Knicks. I mean about the girl. Ah, uh, I'd take her to the garden so she could watch me play. 
I start myself as a very small round forward. <laughs> so you agree with Muriel, right? Giving her half is crazy. And if I can't have the Knicks, I, I want those season tickets where you sit on the floor with Jack Nicholson and Spike Lee and the waiters bring you food. <laughs> promise is a promise. Yeah, one of those stereo systems that you can hear in every room in your house. You see, that way you don't have to be carrying around that boom box with you. you just tell her I won 5,000. I could do that. Yeah, yeah, you could. Uh, uh, so what's that? Season tickets, uh, stereo system, Mazda GL6. I couldn't do that. I couldn't just lie like that. You're on a boat. I've never even been on a boat. Come on, are you listening to me? I know you, man. You do the appropriate thing. Which is? I don't know. That's your feel. Well, what would you do? You know, stiffer, stiffer. You know, I mean, what would you do? You know, one one day you're making just enough to to get by, and the next day you're a millionaire. You know, uh, but then there's this promise you made. What would you do? Well, let me tell you what the real police officer who inspired the movie, what he did. In 1984, this police officer named Robert Cunningham, um, he was a regular at Sal's Pizzeria. So it's really different, right? He's a, he's a regular at Sal's Pizzeria, and um, this waitress, Phyllis Penzo, she was this waitress there a long time. They kind of knew each other. And one day, on impulse, you know, he offers Phyllis... Um, a deal. He says, hey, you know what? Instead of a tip, what if, you know, you just kind of con- contribute some of the numbers and we'll do this lottery thing and, and uh, if I win, you know what? We'll split it down the middle, all right? And uh, so she said, all right. So she, you know, she sat down and, and filled out the card. Uh, they filled out the card and um, it was a $1 uh, entry into the New York lottery, state lottery. And uh, on April 1st, all right, April 1st, uh, he calls her at 9 o'clock in the morning to let her know that um, they just won $6 million and that she gets, you know, $3 million of that. No joke, you know, of all days, right? So she's thinking it's a joke, uh, April Fool's Day, but um, it wasn't a joke. And so the two families actually split the, the winnings of the lottery I think they split 285000 uh, over the next 21 years because that's how they do it, right? And, uh, that, you know, the Cunningham, the police officer, um, he makes like 30000 a year. And, you know, they interviewed him because this is like strange, right, that someone would actually do this. And uh, he said that he never considered keeping all the money. He said, I'll say, you know, if I say I'll do something, I'll do it. And he said, I hope the money never changes me. And then his wife, Gina, never complained about him being overly generous. Um, and he says, you know, I told her I had a partner and we were splitting it down the middle. And that was it. That's how our family operates. So that's kind of what happened uh, in that situation, you know. And there's a, the verse in Proverbs 11. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And, and as illogical as it might seem, there is so much power. I mean, there really is power when we choose by faith to trust God 
and to be generous with the resources that he's entrusted us with. And, and if you do, what the Bible is saying, that as the more you're generous, your world gets larger and larger. You experience more and more of um, God's faithfulness and his power in your life. You just, your world expands when you become generous. And as we continue this series on financial fitness, um, I wanted to take a look at how powerful uh, generosity is. You know, that in, in times of financial challenges, it seems ludicrous, right, to, to even consider being generous. But, but God's ways are so often so different from the, from the wisdom, you know, just the, the conventional wisdom of the world. And uh, his ways always prove better, right? So that's kind of what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the power of generosity. You get your notes. You can follow along. First thing is this. The greater my generosity, the greater the impact I make, right? The greater my generosity, the greater the impact you're going to have, you know? And when you trust God, you step out in faith, and you're generous with the resources um, that, you know, really that he's given you. You know, we talked about that. Nothing is ours. Everything is from God anyway. Uh, what happens when you do that, when you step out and you take a step of faith and you're generous, you leave a lasting impression and, and you will see God's faithfulness in just amazing ways. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, it says, Paul is saying this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seed will, will get what? Obviously, a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And it says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Because God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And then he says, God will generously, as you give generously to others, Right? He says, God will generously provide all you need. And then you will always have, not just some, you will always have everything you need. And not only that, plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. And what they're talking about here is this principle of of sowing and reaping, right? Because back in that time when, they were, when he was telling the story, the way that they, they did farming and stuff, they didn't get like a seed and put one seed in the ground and cover it up and go and put another seed and cover it. They didn't do it like that. You know, they sowed seed. They just scattered seed like that, you know? And so they call it, you know, they broadcast the seed. That's where the word broadcasting came from. And, and what... What Paul is reminding them is like, you know, if you just brought, you just sow a little, then chances are, right, you're going to get a small crop because not all of the seed are going to take root in the whole thing and germinate and all that stuff, but you get a small crop. But if you just generously uh, do that, um, you know, you'll get a large crop. And so what he's saying is that's that principle that if you would take a step of faith, and it requires a step of faith, right, because in our hearts, it's really hard to be generous, you know? And, and, and so he said, if you take that step of faith and, and, and maybe even beyond what you think you can even afford, 
that if you, if you sense God's leading to do something, what Paul is saying is just go for it. But, but it's up to you how generous you will be. You see, and that's the cool thing. You know, God's never going to twist your arm. He's not going to twist my arm and say, Mark, you better give all that. No. We get to choose. You know, and what Paul is saying is, is you get to choose. God's never going to pressure you. You're not, you know, don't do anything out of pressure or obligation or anything like that. But if you are generous, you know, this is what God will do. You know, the principle of, of sowing and reaping, you know. And so it's up to you. God's never going to really force you to, to do anything that you don't want to do. But whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And, uh, you know, there was this good friend of mine. And, you know, you experienced this, right, as you... As you're generous, don't you, don't you just get blessed and don't you see God's faithfulness? You know, that's been a pattern all our lives. And, you know, we were at seminary. And at seminary, you know, you're just kind of, you know, most seminary students, you're just kind of surviving, right? Uh, some of them go up like we, we did. You know, married couples go up. Some with kids go up. And, you know, um, stu- you know you're studying all the time and, and, you know, you're working part-time if you can and, and you're just scraping to, to make ends meet, you know, and the whole thing. And I had a friend, one of my best friends was from um, Nigeria. His name was Onesimo Mikenti. And he, and he had like um, seven, about, about nine kids. And he brought three of his youngest kids with him to the United States with his wife. And he was going to sacrifice everything he had so that he could get uh, more training, you know. And I asked Onesimo, well, what do you do? And, and come to find out, he was, uh, he was an overseer that he said, well, I'm, I'm, I don't have too many churches. I said, well, how many churches do you oversee? Oh, just about 90. I go, oh, yeah, that's not that much, really, no. You know, but he oversaw like 90 churches. And his job was to, to support and encourage and, and to make sure everything's going well and, and to help train up the leaders that's coming up. And so he figured if he got more you know, training and theology and the Bible and all these kind of things that he could do a better job. And so, you know, he just loaded up, you know, his three youngest kids. One of his children had sickle cell, and so, you know, it would be better for him to, to be here. And they were like little. I think all three were under the age of four or some five or something like that, really little. Wife didn't work. Um, he really didn't work. He just wanted to do it as quickly as possible so he could get back, you know. And... Uh, I don't know, I honestly don't know how they made it. I mean, really, you know, and we would have lunch together at times and, uh, and, you know, he would bring, it would be really not uncommon for him to bring like six, seven, eight eggs, you know, like hard-boiled eggs in his bag. And I'm thinking, bro, you like eggs, don't you, you know? And I didn't realize that eggs were really cheap in Portland. And, um, and that was his, you know, throughout the day and at lunch, he would, that was, his, that was his meal. He would just eat these hard-boiled eggs, you know? And uh, that was really, really crazy to see, like, man, you know? And uh, one day, and you know, the cool thing was, he just never complained. He never said, ah, oh, I got eggs again. Oh, I got his eggs, you know? He didn't say that. You know, one day I kind of felt like God, like, nudging me, you know, to, um, to help them out and buy groceries, right? So... You know, and back then, you know, we would buy a, a bag of groceries here and a bag there, and you just stretch it out and the whole thing. And uh, I just felt like, weird. so I told Joe, I said, hey, you know, I felt God say to buy Onesimo guys some groceries, you know? I said, well, what do you think they, they want? I said, I don't, I don't know. They see, like, regular stuff like we eat, don't they? 
And uh, so we went there. I just loaded up the, our cart. And I remember thinking, well, I don't know how we're going to pay for this, but that's good, you know, because I, I think they need it more than we need it, right? So we had like about four or five um, bags of groceries, and, and we delivered it to their house. And, and, and Onesimo, his eyes got really big, and he was just so appreciative. And, 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 they, and his wife was so appreciative, the little guys. And, um, you know, it was just a blessing, you know, for us. And we left there, and we were more blessed. And there are other times, you know, God would nudge us to do certain things. A lot of single students, and we thought we'd have them over for dinner, you know, uh, do the Cupid thing, try to, you know, match them up, you know, because I'm Dr. Love, right? And so we'd do that. We'd have them come over because, you know, they don't have home-cooked meals. I know one single student, her name was Betty, a good friend of mine, and uh, Onesimo was the eggs guy. Betty, she was the pot pie person because you could buy like three pot pies for like two bucks or something. So she would just eat these Swanson frozen pot pies. That was her, her, her food. So we just invited a bunch of people over all the time um, to get home-cooked meals. Um, even the squirrels down below, we're in the second floor, and I used to look at squirrels on the bottom down there. Even, you know, we're generous with the squirrels. Like, you know, we get peanuts, and they love nuts and peanuts, and one day I looked down there, like three of them, and I thought, man, what do I have, you know? And, you know, you'd get stuff from home, and we had like a can of macadamia nuts, you know? And I said, man, I, I don't think they ever had macadamia nuts. Put some macadamia nuts. Oh, they love the macadamia nuts. You know, Joe, we got to get more macadamia nuts because our squirrel, our squirrels, our squirrels love the macadamia nuts, you know? And, and we'd do that. But, but, but here's the thing. You know, as, 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 as you know, we, as we weren't like extravagantly generous, but as we were generous, we lived that verse that God never told us how much to do and what to give. You know, he nudged us from time to time, but he never forced us to do anything, and we did it. And, and not only that was, not only did he provide for, you know, us, um, he, above and beyond he provided. You know, there were times when God provided raises, Joe was working, and um, God would provide raises for her just at the right time. You know, I got this award um, in, the, you know, I got this award at school, and it came with money. You know, like sometimes you get awards and stuff, but this one kind of came with money, and that one came at the right time. I just put it in there so you guys kind of like, look, wow, he got an award. You know, I wanted to brag a little bit, <laughs> put that in there. But, but, you know, but that's the principle of, of sowing and reaping, you see, because true generosity, it comes from our hearts, that it's an attitude that we have, and, and our attitude is more important than our actions. That the, the truth is, we can do the right things, but we can do it with the wrong attitude or motives, right? God says, you know, don't do anything out of obligation or guilt or anything like that. That's what we do at times, right? We can do the right thing, but in our hearts, like, oh, I don't really want to do, you know, like that. Because that's why God said, I, he loves a person who gives cheerfully. Because they're doing it voluntarily. They're doing it out of love. You know, and so, so he's saying generosity comes from a heart of love that gives cheerfully. And when you do that, you make a lasting, you know, a lasting uh, impact in, in your life and other people's lives. And it's real important. The second thing is God provides. And this is really amazing, all right? Not only um, are we, you know, asked and the greater our generosity and the greater the impact we make, and that's really cool, but not only that. God provides everything I need to be generous and to live a life of purpose. Not only, do when, not only is it when we are generous 
that um, we see, you know, the impact is greater. And God wants us to be generous. He'll give us everything we need to be generous. And that's the crazy thing, all right? In going on in 2 Corinthians 9, you know, he says, God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. See, it's not the farmer's broadcasting seed, but, but it's God who provides the seed for the farmer. And then what else? Bread for him to eat. Provides everything he needs. In the same way, God will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of what? Of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in what way? In every way. So that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts and when you take the gifts to those who need them, they're going to thank God. And, and being generous is so much easier when we have the right perspective, that when we choose to be generous, God's going to give us everything we need. And that, I, I see that over and over and over again. A lot of times we think, oh, no, man, I only got this much. And, and if I had more, I'd be more generous. But okay, I'll be generous. I'll give them this. You know? And we give the leftovers. We give what we got. But it's like, no, if we think that God would, will give us everything we need to be generous, it'll change the way we think. He'll give us the means to be generous. It's kind of like the difference between a hose and a bucket when you're watering plants, right? When you're watering plants, you got a bucket, watering the plants, and you're looking, and every time you're watering the plants, you're looking, the bucket, the level of water is going, you know, getting lower and lower. You think, okay, I got to kind of ration. I better not give him too much. Uh, Bob, I think, you know, because you, you got to name your plants, right? I have, you, know, you name your, yeah, I name my, anyway, so you, you give Bob a little more because he was good, and you, know, and you just water, you just water, no, I know you all, I know you all name your plants because that's what you got to do, you got to talk to your plants, right? Anyway, so, so you, you, you're doing that with a bucket, but if you had a hose, how you would water is like totally different, right? You just point the hose, the water goes through the hose, and you just let, you just buckle loose. You're just going water, water is getting all over your deck. It don't matter, you're just watering and watering and watering, right? And, and, and we need to look at it like, like that. If we look at our resources and stuff, and it's all in a bucket, man, it's hard. It's harder to be generous. But when we look at our lives as a conduit, and that God wants to use us to be a conduit of his love and, and, and his, his goodness to the world around us. And all we are, we're a conduit. We just point the holes and God's resources go flying through. And that's what he's saying. That, that, look, I'm asking you to be generous. I'm not telling you what to give. But I tell you what, if you do, I will give you everything you need to be as generous as you want to be. Because you got a hose. You don't got a bucket, you know. And to me, that's an amazing great deal, right? I mean, that's a great deal. All you do is like, hey, right? Elise, here you go. You know, that'd be great, you know. Albert Lexi is a shoe shine man. And for the last 30, well, about 31 years now, he's set up shop in Pittsburgh's uh, Children's Hospital. And, you know, he's just a rare breed. He... Uh, he charges a mere $5 to shine a pair of shoes. And often, right, a, a satisfied customer will do what? They'll leave a tip. And, uh, you know, most gave like an extra dollar or maybe a couple dollars once during the Christmas season. 
Um, this doctor gave him a $50 a tip for shining a pair of shoes. But the amazing thing is that Albert's never kept a single dollar or a single tip that he's received. You know, he's never kept um, a, a tip. He, was, he's, he says that he's content in what he has. And so what he does is he's donated all his tips to the Children Hospital Free Care Fund. Because he just sees kids coming in, you know, and, and his heart goes out to them. And so every tip he gets, he just gives that to this fund. Not only that, and he thought, man, I tip, you know, a dollar here. I, maybe I made, you know, $20 today. He'd do that. He said, man, I, I wish I could I can do more. And so he, uh, over the course of his time, he has given um, a third of his earnings to this free care fund, right? And you're thinking, okay, 30 years, uh, shoeshine guy, you know, how much did he really give, right? And so what they did was the hospital administration figured it out, and in the last 30 years, Albert has given over $200,000 to this free care fund at the hospital. And when they found out, you know, word got out, and, you know, just, and it just like was amazing. Like, look, look $200,000 this guy gave. And when he was asked, you know, if he had any hopes for the future, Albert said, I just hope the kids get well and do better and do different things. Then my life has ended well. I just love those kids, you see? And his attitude wasn't, well, if I'm going to give, then, you know, I'm going to be rewarded. And, you know, no, he just said, I just love the kids. And I have plenty. I have enough. And I'm going to give, the, I'm going to give what I can, 200, over $200,000. And what Albert did was he just pointed the holes. He just pointed the holes, and, and look what God did. Because when you step out in faith and, and when you give generously, God provides for all your needs and all the resources you need to be generous. And, and when Albert puts away his shoeshine kit for good, he's never going to be forgotten. You know, that, that he's going to leave behind a legacy. You know, he's going to leave behind this legacy at this house. Lives have been enriched. Lives have been impacted because of this one man, you know, which leads to the next truth. The third thing is this. My generosity, yeah, the greater my generosity, the greater my impact. Not only that, God's going to provide everything you need, okay? But along with that, my generosity demonstrates God's love to the world. See, that when we're generous, it demonstrates God's love to the world. In 2 Corinthians 9, 12, it says, For two things, for two good things will result from this ministry. It's a ministry. It's a service of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. And as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift too. Wonderful for words. And when we choose to be generous, 
we demonstrate God's love to those around us. That they see God's love and they not only see it, but they experience it. That, that because of your generosity and love, that that'll draw them closer to the God who sent his son to die for them. You know, that, that you show them what a follower of Jesus looks like. And, you know, sometimes, you know, these days, you know, the church, you know, we're, we're not really um, looked upon really great. And other people look at the church and a bunch of this, this, and that, hypocrites or whatever. You know, and, and part of that is our fault. You know, part of it is, you know, what have we done to show what a true follower of Jesus looks like? And part of that is we be generous. That we go out and as we're generous, we're, we're demonstrating. We put, we put our action behind our word. We're not just talking all the time. We're not pointing our fingers at people. We're blessing. We're just pointing the holes at people. And we're stepping out in generosity. We, ex- we demonstrate God's love. There's an example of this guy, um, Brandon Cook. He went to visit his, his grandma in a New Hampshire hospital. And, and she was dying. You know, she had a, a terminal illness, and she was uh, going to be dying very soon. And nearby was this Panera um, Cafe, and, and the following, there's this letter that was posted by the family on the Panera, you know, because everybody got Facebook pages, right? And, and it was this letter that the family of this grandma had, had, had written on their, on their page. My grandmother is passing soon with cancer. You know, Brandon's writing, I visited her the other day and and she was telling me about how she really wanted soup, but not hospital soup because she said it tasted awful. She went on to about how she would really like some clam chowder from Panera. Unfortunately, Panera only sells clam chowder on Fridays. And so I called the manager, Sue, and told them the situation. I wasn't looking for anything special, just a bowl of clam chowder. Without hesitation, Sue said absolutely she would make her some clam chowder. And so he goes over, she said, I went over to pick it up, and they wound up giving me a box of cookies as well. well. And he says, it's, you know, it's really not a big of, you know, that big of a deal to most, but to my grandma, it meant a lot. I really wanted to thank Sue and the rest of the staff for making my grandmother happy. And then what, what happened was within days of that post, um, they got more than 800,000 likes. You know? And not only that, the next quarter, they look back, Panera sales uh, increased 28%. The quarter after, after that, another 34%. And there's no way of proving that there's a direct result of this Facebook post, you know, uh, but, but, but really, you know, one person performing an act of generosity surely made some impact, right? It certainly made some impact. And I thought about that, and I thought, imagine the impact, the lasting effects that we can make with our generosity as a church, as Christ followers, you know, as we demonstrate the love of God. Because the thing is, there really is power in generosity. You know. And God works powerfully through the generosity of his church. That the greater our generosity, the greater the impact we make. 
And, and you know the thing is, I don't know about other countries and all, but, but you know, we live here in the United States, and, and when I look at the church here in the United States, and I look at us, and I'm saying us, us American Christians, you know, too often what I see is that, you know, we've bought in so much into the American dream that we can have anything we want and everything we want, and we're entitled to everything we, you know, we can get. And we got to look out for ourselves, and hey, if we have anything left over, then maybe I can give something to someone, but as long as they deserve it. You know? and, and, and a lot of that has, has filtered in to the American church. And, and there's so many of us that are, are, are selfish, you know, that our attitude, there's a selfishness, and not in a really, like, gross, perverse way. But, but it's still, we still live with the values that, no, it's just me first. It's always me first. If I have extra, if I have extra time, if I have extra money, you know, I got to take care of my family. It's my family first. And if I have time other than me and my family or my friends, or whatever, you know, then I can generously give that. And I think the sad thing about that is we miss out on, on everything that God really wants us to have. That we, you know, the truth is, we could be experiencing so much more. That we could see our country transformed if the church, if we would be transformed first. You know, and I look at the first church when the church just got started in the book of Acts, you know, and Jesus had gone back to heaven, and here's the disciples on their own, and they start this church, and in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It wasn't every man for himself. It wasn't, no, it's my job first, it's my it's me first. It's my leisure activities first. It's my family. No, it's, it's I'm going to devote myself to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to sharing in meals, including, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. That was their highest priority. That's what the church was. And then a deep sense of awe came over them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I long for the days that we would begin to see miracles. Just, it wouldn't just be like, whoa, look what happened. It would be like, yes, that's what God does. And we would see more of that. And then all the believers met together in one place. And, and what did they do? They shared everything they had. That they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in, in need. That's called generosity. They, they sold stuff so that other people could have stuff. You know? And they, and they worship together at the temple each day, like we do. We gather to, you know, they gather together. But they also met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And, and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. In other words, in that city where this church was taking place, where generosity was flowing, where they were demonstrating God's love, whether they were Christians or whether they were in the church or not, everybody looked and said, you know what? That's good people there. They enjoyed the goodwill of everyone there. And then the results was this in verse 48. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And people were saved 
for all eternity. They were making an eternal impact. And how? Because they didn't, it wasn't me first that we're going to be generous. We're going to share. And they experienced the goodwill of everyone in that city. And people said, you know, that's a group. I, I, I want to check that group out because something's going on there. And they come and they meet the Lord and they get saved for all eternity. You know, how amazing is that? See, I'm going to call up Jared um, Miyamoto because I wanted to give you a contemporary, uh, an, ex- an example right now of what your generosity can actually do. You know, Jared and a team of nine people just came back from Alaska. Many of you know, some of you here for the first time. Uh, we sent a team. They were there for about nine days, and they do a, a family camp in Mentasta. Uh, is that right? Mentasta. Yes, that one. And uh, a village in Alaska. And they just, what did, what did they do? They just serve in whatever way they need to. They said they did a lot with the children's ministry, and they did fundraisers, and they did these kind of things. And a lot of you here generously gave to the cause. What was the result of your generosity? Here's Jared. <coughs> Revival. No. Kind of. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, um, I think... Uh, so the things that we got to do up there, again, just like uh, we were able to share right before we left, we did like, uh, children's VBS, which is exactly the same thing that is going on um, with our children out there on the other side. Um, there was youth activities. Um, it was really fun. We'll have a share night on the, at the end of the month on July 31st, but it's like a Nerf gun war. It's tons of kids came out and... Um, you just see the joy on their face. And you know what? I think a lot of us, we take those moments for granted. Um, it's like, oh, it's a Nerf gun fight. Well, it is what it is. Oh, it's just VBS. It's making crafts. Um, but for me, you could tell when we were ready to go, like, um, or I felt I could. Like, it's kind of like the, the air was getting taken out of a ball, like when it's going flat. You could see the kids kind of... It's kind of moping around again, and it's kind of in their little bicycle gang riding around the village, because there's not really much to do there. So when our team comes, when, we get, when you send us there, um, you know, the, the little, little things that we get to do, we cook meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the village, and they all come out. It's a gathering place. You can talk story, have coffee, you get fed. It's those little things that show the love of God, that a team from all the way from Hawaii will come to this middle-of-nowhere village in Alaska just to say that God loves you. He knows that you're here, and um, you can tell that something's happening in their heart. Um, okay, you guys also, like, made, like, some, you know, I mean, you got towels, and you kind of, like, bumped it up a little bit. I mean, this is just towels, Right? Right, we were with towels. We were just like, "Here, Jared, here's a towel." Yeah. Right. But what what was the reaction of that when you handed out those towels and stuff? I mean, yeah. So it's just some crafts that that our team got together to do. Um, I guess where's Erin? Is somewhere around here. Erin came up with us a few years back, and um, she made handbags like 
the ones that were uh, for mm. kind of like the ones that were for sale for our fundraiser, and we gave them as gifts, and people up there were just blown away, like with a little logo of Alaska Ablaze Camp, and they're like, "This is free!" Like, my gosh, can't believe it! And they were so blessed. You know, it's a bag. Like, it is what it is, but it meant so much more. Um, it's hard to explain what he did there, and I would just really encourage you all, folks, all of you guys, to come out to our share night. I like that. On the, the teaser for the the share night. Yeah, yes. we're gonna we're gonna have food because the stories are personal. Right. Like, it's personal for Adina who went. It's personal for Jared who went. For Rena. Yes. For for my wife Tiana. For Rachel right there. You know yes. these stories are personal. God moved in their lives in unique ways that I couldn't have manufactured, and. Um, I think what I saw, what for me, from what I saw there, we did, our, our usual schedule was um, breakfast in the morning, uh, 10 o'clock we'll do a VBS slash, and there's youth activities, lunch, then there's another Nerf gun fight up in the field, which this guy mowed the baseball field, he set up like tires and barrack, like all kinds of stuff, it was like people were just, like, you know, it was crazy, so... Nerf swords and axes. We were just, it was so fun. It was fun. Don't look, don't, it's not, it wasn't scary. It was so fun. Anyway. And, um, and so after that, then we do dinner and then we do church every single night. And um, to me, like I couldn't, and I'm kind of probably spoiling what I'm going to share on the, on the night of, but on, on the 31st. July 31st. On the 31st, yeah, yeah. At the office. Um, <laughs> I like that. But... <laughs> 705 South King Street. 705 yeah. South King. But, but we would do church every night, and you would sing songs. There would be a message, and I would just look out. I was like, mm. oh, is God, what is God doing? Like, I don't know. People just really straight-faced, mm. poker-faced. And then, you know, the last night, I just felt like it was obvious that the Spirit of God just came down mm. and broke through. It's like, like mm. you're picking at a mountain or something or a hill or something like, you know, with a hammer and a chisel and then on that last night, it just all came down. Amen. And I could see, like, you know, our youth, you know, Rachel, Rena, just praying for other kids, you know, mm. tears coming from their eyes, you know. And that's not because of the great training that we gave them. That was like the spirit of God moving mm. in them, through them. You know, Adina and Jared, it's like, it's only God can do that kind of stuff. And, um there's so much more. I just want to take over, Pastor Mark. Right so, now, so, so, in o- so, in other words, so in other words, July 31st at the office, share night. Yep. Six. Six thirty to eight o'clock. We got a sign-up sheet out there. Just put your name, how much adults and how much kids are gonna come out. We're gonna provide food, and um, you can. Uh, there's some information in your bulletin. You can also email Tiana, my wife. Hi. Okay. Yeah. You can email her. All right, well, well, that's awesome, right? God is good, and so thank you, church, for for believing and for supporting us because... um, Generosity of their time and energies of the team that went, the generosity of all of you who who gave your resources so that they could go up, and you know what? It, It produced a lasting effect that there are people today that their lives have been transformed, that they're that they're on their way, that they're, they're, they're going to be in heaven because of your generosity. That's the power of generosity. Let's call the worship team up.
And, uh, you know, we're going to do something fun. I'm trusting fun as we finish up. See, I kept looking at God loves a cheerful giver. And so as a step of faith, what I wanted to do was, okay, you know how normally we, we pass the, what are the bowls, I guess, and the offering, and everybody just gives the offering. You know, but, but God loves a cheerful giver. And maybe that, that God wants to break through in our lives, that whatever is holding us back you know, from just, just experiencing all that God wants. And so what, as a prophetic step of faith, what I'm going to ask is, worship team is going to play, and Smile on your face, right? Cheerful giver. You just bring your offering and you just put it in the plates in the front. Just come up, put it up, go back. Now, some of you, like you, you know, you, you give your, your tithe, you do your 10% thing, you do it either once a month or twice a month when you get paid and think, man, I don't got nothing today. Well, you know what then? Just give more. No, don't. Don't. No, what you got to do? All I'm asking is this. You just come up as a prophetic act. You just come up. Just, just, just join the herd of people. Just, everybody get up. You come up. You come up and you say, God, I'm coming up. I'm, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm choosing, like it says in Corinthians, I'm going to choose. I'm going I'm to be as best I can. I'm going to be a cheerful giver. I'm going to be the best I can as far as being generous. And I'm just taking these steps of faith. All right? So whether you got an offering or not, no matter. Just come up and then you head back. And then that'll be that, all right? So, so why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray, all right? And then I know it's hard. And so, you know, I'm just going to, who has the most hideous shirt in, in the group? Okay, that's Vern, all right? So, so Vern, <laughs> so Vern, you lead the way, all right, with your nice Pittsburgh Steelers shirt, all right? Okay, all right? And if some of you didn't like that comment, you know what, just... Just kind of get over it, all right? We'll live, all right? Let's just pray. Let's just pray. Father, thank you that um, what you did in Alaska. Thank you uh, that you took a small offering and nine people went, joined a group of people there. And, uh, you know, I thank you for what happened. You know, I, I talked to uh, Sandy, the, the, one of the moms of the people who organized it, and said her son said that was like the best camp ever. And so thank you for what you're doing. That's the power of generosity, Father. I pray that you would help us to break through and that we would experience Proverbs, Lord, that our world would get larger and larger. And, and, and I pray, God, that we would flow with the generosity that you want us to have. And I pray that we would go around with a hose, God, not with a bucket. So we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so when you're ready, just come up. Offering, go back, and then we'll just call it a... A morning.